This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hey there, listeners. This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rug from Flame On right here on the Nerdy Show Network. If you're looking for some sweet nerdy queer in your ear, then head over to nerdyshow.com slash flame on and check us out. We cover everything from TV to movies, comics to drag queens, and so much more. For a gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, get ready to flame on. The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that might not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Do you hear that? In the cruel blackness of night, an unknowable evil from beyond time cries out. What dark deeds unfold on the streets of Arkham? And which unwitting souls, innocent or impure, will succumb to the maddening call? The Call of Cthulhu. Nerdy Show and West Laboratories bring you part six of the Call of Cthulhu mystery program. Tonight's strange story, nightmares and interludes. Is your love life lacking in vigor? Do you shy away from your natural urges? Fret not, friend. Introducing a new miracle of medical science that'll put vim in your quim and pep in your pecker. West Laboratories Tillingast Resonator. A simple apparatus that clips around the waist as easy as a suspender belt and works without use of chemical batteries. Let the Tillingast Resonator's vivid violet light leave your loins vivacious and restore your prowess to the pinnacle. It not only aids, it enhances. With only one use, you'll feel as though you've entered a new dimension of pleasure, guaranteed to triple your orgastic potency. This modern marvel is available by mail order for $15, a modest price for reinvigorating this vital source of physical well-being. Send check or money order to West Laboratory, St. Albert Building, New York, New York. Don't delay. Reanimate your libido with West Laboratory's Tillingast Resonator. Having stolen occult materials from the Elias estate, our investigators fled the scene. But there's no escaping the terrifying trappings of this case. A flying monster descended from the sky, landed on the moving automobile, and abducted Estelle Thorpe. Now, at a complete loss for words, and some loss of sanity, her friends head back to Thorpe Manor to regroup. It's early evening by the time you make it back to Thorpe Manor. Anna brings the car to the front of the house and, as you pull in, bathed in the headlights, sitting on the steps of the house, is Estelle. I stop the car and, fast as I can, I am out the door and by her side, kissing her, holding her. Darling, darling, beloved, you're safe, you're safe! Oh, thank Bastet, my darling! Sweetness, darling, I'm fine. We're... Where have all you been? Oh, you know, just out for a drive. Where have we been? We saw you get carried away by some kind of winged monster. Now you're going to ask where we've been? No. Yeah. Yeah. Estelle, what's the last thing you remember, darling? You handed me some papers, which I 
have. I gave you my my whistle. We're, we're going to need that whistle back. I uh, You don't remember the whistle, but yeah, you seem to have a silver whistle sitting next to you on the steps and the Arkham Paranormal Research Society book. I reckon I'm just going to grab those. I take her head in my hands and look into her eyes. Do you remember nothing, darling? Nothing at all? <laughs> a winged beast, and it just took me out of the car? You asked it to. Yeah, I mean, you were polite about it. I think you called it mother and said, take me away. Well, uh, let's let's refrain from <laughs> saying things, uh, you know, involving mother with a capital M. There's no, there's no great hobo mother you all pray to? No, we have no mother. It's a very sad state of affairs, and I'd ask you not to bring it up again. <laughs> I, um... It's a national crisis. I don't have my purse, so I didn't... Couldn't open the door. Oh, you left your purse. We have it. In the car. I I stand up and unlock the door, helping Estelle to her feet. I'm, darling, I'm, I'm fine. Really. You most certainly are not. Everyone, please, gather your things and come inside. We've got so much to discuss. Everyone gathers in the sitting room, and the heated discussion starts almost immediately. I think it's pretty obvious what happened. She she blasted on that whistle, mm-hmm. summoned the monster, mm-hmm. and asked to take her home because the car wasn't fast enough. Thanks. Yeah, we all heard that part. But now we got to know how we make it not happen again so we could just get some sleep and forget about this whole ordeal. Maybe burn the box she's got, you know, just kind of forget this whole thing happened. I think maybe just take the whistle away from Estelle might be enough. <laughs> maybe we should melt down the whistle. I'll hold on to it. It's, uh... Might be actual real silver, so, uh, you know. While they're debating the whys and wherefores of something I don't even remember, I'm getting increasingly anxious, so I, I go get Pell's shotgun and I grab the rounds. It's a double-barreled shotgun, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an antique piece. Mm. This thing is a finely crafted 10-gauge shotgun. Two triggers. Maybe you shouldn't have the shotgun. I need to protect myself, Sinclair. Well, you protected yourself mighty fine when you had the thing take you home. I don't know why I said those things, and I don't know what I did, and I don't know why it did what it did. Well, she didn't say home. She said carry me to safety. So I guess home is safe. Sure, but does that monster think your home is safe? Is it still here? Yeah, wait a minute. It most certainly is not. There are no dark forces welcome on these grounds. I've very much seen to that. Or... Did you? Or did you? She brings up a pretty fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I got all of you together. I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition. Well, in my experience, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. You sent us to that place with the X. How do we know you aren't at the heart of all of this? There's absolutely no reason that I would do that. No reason that I would subject myself to whatever that was, this thing. Well, you uh, got home pretty safe. I could have gotten home safe in the car. Uh, not with Anna's driving. All I know is when we went and met Mr. Horsefeathers, we weren't lollygagging around honey fuddling with him. That's true. Things did get pretty intimate, but not in the way we prefer. I did penetrate him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have no interest in humoring these accusations. I'm grateful that you've all come with me this far. I don't know if I want to continue because I don't know what is happening. I return to the room with a pot of tea and immediately regret having stepped away. What the devil is going on here? Estelle, the shotgun. Not you too. You summoned a demon and you don't remember it, darling. No firearms. Not right now. 
Maybe I'll take that gun, though. Could come in handy. Yeah, why don't you have a gun, Oswald? Hobos don't carry weapons, because when we get arrested, we end up in the pokey. If you want a gun, I have a, a room full of hunting rifles and other things. You don't say. Yeah. By all means, and I I march them to a room with with racks of guns where my father and my grandfather and his grandfather and all their all their stupid rifles are. Actually, you know what? Seeing all these makes me a bit nervous, quite frankly. You folks do your thing. I've got my hatchet. That hatchet's proved better than my rifle has. <laughs> Uh, if we didn't hit that bump in the road, I probably would have one shot. Oh, yeah, we, that, we all had bumps beast. in the road on the way there. Actually, I only counted one bump in the road. Okay, Mr. Crackshot, uh, why didn't you go ahead and uh, take uh, that out? Bump in the road, I'm agreeing with you. Wait a minute, uh-huh. wait a minute. How come you didn't shoot the thing when it was closer? You read that weird poem. <sighs> I had an idea, it didn't work out. All right. Wait, what did, what did you read? In the, in the notes I gave you, there's, a, uh, there's an incantation. And the incantation is to return a creature that has been brought to life back to its essential salts. But it was only a hunch. didn't work. Well, I, I think the problem is I think it's for things that have already died. Undeceased. Yes. Non-deceased. Formerly of the deceased. Most of us are non-deceased. Correct. Wait, wait, wait. You have an incantation that brings the dead back to life? Well specifically living things that have been turned into salts, but not really salts per se, more like a distilled essence, base materials. It's complicated. You do some kind of chemical process, then use some magic words. I've got the book here, but it's that same book you read before. Those of you who've already taken a sanity loss from it, you're fine. Find these stars of demon Azathoth's Careful. Maybe read it to yourself. Okay, yeah, I would not. I would not read that aloud as I did. Yeah. Uh, oh, somebody already read it once. Maybe you read that quietly to yourself. I don't know if anything happened, but I feel as if it, something might have. Fine, fine. I walk back to the sitting room to get some tea while I puzzle over this. Find ye stars of demon as thoughts shine. Death to life. Revisit your- For the record, I think you should stop reading that book immediately and turn in for the night. <laughs> Anna, if I suddenly lose my senses, you have my permission to bludgeon me unconscious. I'd rather not. As you're reading it a little more closely, this chant, this incantation, as it's written, it reads with the intent of resurrecting someone. But there's something else to it, though. It's kind of unclear. Go ahead and make an occult roll. I rolled a 63 to my 70. You think the the reverse is literal. The chant to return someone it's not reading the spell again, it's reading it backwards. And not reading it phonetically backwards, but reading it contextually backwards. Yes. If this incantation is read in reverse, word to word, then someone who's been brought back to life will be returned to death. I don't know that we've really met, properly met, whomever this could be, but the strange man who warned me with the organ in a bag, McLeonard's brain. Can I can I roll on on that rumination to make a a guess? Intelligence idea. I was I was just doing the very same. Yeah, very yeah. Same I mean, thing. if you guys want to make an idea roll, sure, go I'll for do it. The same. There was a lot of blood, or as I like to call it, people jam. <laughs> maybe a, maybe a man jam, <laughs> as Moses so put it earlier. Uh, it rhymes. It's better. <laughs> I rolled a one hundred. 
Oh, well, uh, you think you might have an idea, but you need that whistle again. <laughs> ah. I did, uh, 36. What, <laughs> what if our good friend Woodrow, maybe he died, then they brought him back. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's why he's missing, because he was in such a state that well, they couldn't put him back into the business. The hobo sounds like he might be onto something. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, but we haven't seen there were, Woodrow. There were yeah, a we lot did. of warnings. We did see Woodrow. In that book. We did. We what, did. Where? <laughs> I think he put a knife right through his skull. You think that's Woodrow? Because I'm pretty sure his name was Gek. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that's his real name. Yeah, I suppose, but it doesn't mean Woodrow's Woodrow's. There might be 15 Woodrow's. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say we done killed a man who was a horse. <laughs> wait, he was part horse, part man. He was also a chicken. Wait, wait. With they all the blood. Did they keep chickens at the, the estate? Uh, no. No. Did they keep any herrings? <laughs> no. Mostly no. pickled. Distinctly not. Okay. I mean, there was the chemicals, and it talked about the horse man and the mutilation and the people that were missing, and I think that somebody was trying to bring back somebody that was dead and is using all these people as an experiment. Well, if you rend to put somebody down to the essential salts, we're talking pure science here, no fiction here. The essential salts, why would they come back as a horse? They tell me the salt of the earth? I think we're playing a game of that, words. That, that's <laughs> the mighty hobo network of America, my friend. That is the salt of the earth. <laughs> Before we get too far down the uh, discussion of hobo metaphysics. <laughs> The Hobala? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Hobala. Yeah. Oh my god. The Hobova Gita. Yeah. The salt of a man is the, hopes the Zohobar. <laughs> go on. We don't know where Woodrow is. We got all these documents. Oh, 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 okay. Uh I go through all the receipts we collected really quick, and I slap down one of the ones for the science equipment with the address in Bolton. Oh. Oh, that's right. That ain't the same address as the estate. Yeah, and it was in the butler's room with all that uh, kidnap and whatnot and the ropes and knockout gas. We need to go crack some skulls. Estelle, you have had a rough and terrible day. No kidding. To put it mildly, everyone has gone to bed and you're in your study. Alone? Alone. But you're not really alone, are you? On the wall, there's a portrait of your parents looking down proudly in their waspy fashion. My father with his damnable balloons and my mother in her rose garden, yes. Yes. Your mother has always been a source of strength for you, hasn't she? Always. Uh, I never knew her. She died birthing me, but especially in this house, she's never far. Meeting your mother's oil-painted gaze, you feel lighter after everything you've gone through. And she slowly steps out of the painting, into the room cloaked in a patina of frost. She reaches out and touches your cheek, your chin, and she opens her leathery wings, stretching them out to their full breadth. Icy shards slough off of them and fall onto the floor. Oh, mother. daughter. Her talons catch on the fabric of your gown, tearing as she's takes you in her swollen, muscled arms, nestling you close in this damp and cold embrace. Are you willing to give up everything for the sake of truth? Yes. 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 She raises a claw and gestures to your father, who's wearing a rather curious-looking leather mask. 
yellow and bedecked with a riot of colors along the fringes. She takes your face in her claws, looking you deep in the eyes with her ice-blue pinprick irises, and says, He'll know you by your face. Where your father was are now strips of tattered yellow cloth, billowing and writhing like ink in water, slowly undulating towards you. I... The air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. (laughs) Estelle? It's all right. It's all right. I hold her and make sure she's breathing. I'm all right. It's morning. Morning? Seems to be. Um, should should I make a sanity roll or it, it was just a weird dream. Oh, okay. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything. And I remember all of this pretty much. Some of the details are fading, but you remember most of it. The golden light of dawn is creeping into your bedroom and elsewhere in the house, your friends are beginning to stir too. <laughs> Well, Kenneth goes downstairs and starts roasting up a chicken. Though what I'm going to need is some fine hickory wood, and I don't rightly know where I'm going to find some. Roll your spot hidden. Spot hidden. Why would they hide the hickory? It's a big house with no staff, and Estelle and Anna are probably not too attentive to some of the smaller details. Seven. Uh, Yeah, out of 40. You make your way around back, and you find a majestic pile of hickory wood. As you pick up one of the logs, a shiny glint catches your eye. Ooh, it's a coin. A coin? Yeah. I reckon I'd pick that up and check for fish. Oh, there's... Should I roll fish check? No, there's definitely a fish on it. You don't even need to roll. Amazing. I, I pocket the fish coin <laughs> and take a an armload of hickory back towards the kitchen so I can get me uh, some smoky action going for this chicken. Estelle and I are sitting on the bedside. I want to beg you to stop. But you won't. I won't. I don't want to see you consumed by nightmares, taken by demons. God has preserved me. I don't want to walk one step further down this path. But we must. We must. More than ever. How how much should I have drawn the conclusions that I suspect I should have drawn from this dream? That's entirely up to you. As you know, dreams are a little fickle in their interpretation, so... But Estelle places great stake in them. Well, in in that context, then, uh, there's definitely importance in them. There are power in those dreams. The Eliases. I don't understand their game, but... The Yellow King, Anna, whatever it is, must not be allowed in this world. You were right when you said we were meant to find this. These horrors are ours to bear, but we'll face them together. Love is our strength, right? Love is our blade, darling. No matter what happens, beloved, sharing this space and time with you, it's bliss. The most sublime and infinite bliss. Our hearts can cross any gulf of space and time. Oh, but to share your breath and your touch to the temple, my love, with taste. (laughs) 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 (sighs) 
we offer ourselves to Bastet, our pleasure, our prayers, nestling, nurturing, exalting, gasping in the golden morning light as our fears are licked clean from us. Mine, nightmares, stamped underfoot, a viper decapitated, its head left proudly at her door. We are made resolute, we are restored, we are ready for what challenges lay ahead. Do our best at. Do our best at. So, is anyone else up to anything besides praying to Bestet or uh, collecting hickory wood? Oswald Sinclair wakes up on Moses' floor. You know, the smell has roused him and, and his stomach. So he, uh, he'll, he'll try to jostle uh, his good friend awake and uh, tell Moses that you know, they should Moses on down to uh, <laughs> Kenneth Rogers' uh, you know, barbecue. I'm going to just be upstairs cleaning my gun. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? (laughs) Well, as has become the custom, everyone eventually congregates around the breakfast table to strategize for what comes next. I uh, made up a bunch of uh, roasted chicken here, and I got some grits, and uh, I made a couple other breakfast items uh, laying around the kitchen. If you want to go ahead and help yourself. Absolutely. Exquisite. You got to know when to roast them and know when to boast about them, is what I always say. We got no idea what kind of place this is we're headed to, save that it's out in the countryside. We should load up and be prepared for anything. In the Pell lot, there was some weird, unexplained dust. Yes, it's a bag containing some musty-smelling dust. All right. I take some of Pell's belongings just in case they become relevant. The uh, fancy old shotgun and the bag of weird, unexplained, musty dust. I'll put them all in a duffel bag for easy carrying. I think we need some essentials, too. Like what? Like a crowbar, a fire axe, a couple of Stell's granddad's old rifles, plenty of ammo. Sound logic in my book. Okay, so you guys grab up some firearms and... Oh, yes. What's everybody carrying? I have my lever action rifle. Um, Oswald's going to take the crowbar. I got all kinds of guns. Of course, a blackjack, you know, because I need one of them. Because you're a gambler. I got a switchblade and I got some lockpicks, a whistle, and four fish coins. And I just have my automatic. I have a Lee Enfield rifle. That's a, that's a big gun, ma'am. And I know how to use it, <laughs> Moses. As you well know, yes. I also have a Bowie knife tucked in my boot. Gotcha. I'm well off with a rifle, and I'm most often on lookout duty. So I'll be taking whichever the Thorpe family hunting rifles has the best range and is in the best working order. For simplicity, if you want, Oswald has the shotgun that he'll carry at the ready to hand off to somebody who can use it. And if not, any idiot can use a shotgun, so. Wait, are you a a hobo with a shotgun? (laughs) I don't see what's so funny about being a hobo with a shotgun. Okay, the address on the outskirts of Bolton isn't far from where you were yesterday. Just an hour's drive from Arkham, maybe less. It's on the other side of the Miskatonic River, near the train tracks that bridge the two towns. I'm sure I can manage that just fine. If everyone's ready, we'll hit the road. There's dense forest all around, and the address takes you to a narrow dirt road leading into the woods. We don't see any buildings? No, 
It's a rural address, and it seems likely that this road goes on for a little ways. I, I don't see any reason for us not to just drive up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know your level of paranoia. Well, so. I am. I am concerned that if they're sending a package there, there's somebody there to receive it. I.e., somebody could be waiting for us. I turn down the dirt road and drive slowly. I'll find a safe place to tuck the car where it won't be readily seen, and we can approach on foot. The trees are pretty dense on either side of this road, but there's a bend you can pull off at. No line of sight from the front of the drive, and nothing can see you in the distance. Sounds good. Let's park and ready ourselves for a well-armed but discreet hike. I guess we'll leave the fire axe in the trunk. Oswald has the crowbar and the shotgun. You got it, sister. I'll take a position where I've got a good vantage point to see anyone approaching from the drive, while still being close to the car. If I hear even one shot, I'll be speeding in your direction. Same. Stay safe, darling. That goes double for you. Don't read from any damn cursed books. (laughs) I can't promise that. But I can promise that if you start spouting demonic nonsense, I will knock you out cold. I wouldn't have it any other way, Kenneth. I squeeze on his hand, and we head out. So who's going to lead this little expedition? I think that most assuredly Moses should be out in front. The only reason we're walking is to get some kind of an advantage if someone is there. We're going to do it a Scooby-Doo gang style. Gun at the ready. So you don't reservoir dogs this, like slow motion walk down the dirt road. Okay, so Moses, you're taking point. All right, I ready my rifle. Okay, roll your sneak. 31 against 40. That counts for all of us because we're behind him. You were just saying that and hoping that was true. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's in in the new rules. (laughs) Moses, you've got a little bit of a lead on everyone else as you sneak through the woods alongside the road. Eventually, there's a little bit of a clearing. The forest falls away and you see a cabin nearby. You can also hear the Miskatonic River not far off. It's about 100 yards away by the sound. The area is not well manicured. This has been kept as a city person's idea of a wilderness cabin, more or less. A place for rich people to rough it. We're on my home turf. I I begin my approach to the cabin. Okay. I'm going to try to approach the door from a sideways angle, staying away from windows. From the angle that you can see kind of looking over the area, you know, it's a rather large cabin, and off to one side looks like what there's maybe some kind of tool shed or secondary building, an outhouse off in another direction. Can I smell any fresh scents coming from the outhouse? As a matter of fact, as you begin to approach the cabin, you're picking up kind of a faint smell of rot to the place that mm. the flow of the Miskatonic River is not overpowering. Now I'm signaling everyone to stay back, and I'm going to go towards where that smell is coming from. Make a luck or a spot hidden roll. Uh, five against 70. As you're pressing through some bushes to keep yourself in cover, you stop because you just get the sense of something's wrong. Your mountain man senses are tingling. Yes. And you kind of move around to the side a little bit, and you can see just out of view on the other side of this bush is just this hideous pile of gore. Mm. Your war experiences have kind of hardened you to this, but you realize that it doesn't look like these are just chunks or parts. Some of them almost seemed fused together in impossible ways. This isn't like I hunted an animal and made a gut pile and dragged the meat off. No. And what really throws you off is like you see a horse leg and it is definitely attached to what looks like the rotting flesh of a person, somebody's abdomen. I'm unsettled, especially considering my previous experience with this uh, horse monster under the ground. This isn't like that. It doesn't look like it should be joined in any kind of way. Like, it looks almost vestigial, patchy in the way that they fit together. Like it was placed that way? 
No. Mm. Moses, you stopped. What is it? Yeah, I swear to God, if it's anything to do with a horse anything, you better let me know right now. I tell everybody to back off. Hide in the bushes. Okay, see. Because I feel like I need more information whether or not even this thing is dead. Oh, it is definitely dead. Okay. I want to investigate. You look over some of the pieces. You try to identify individual pieces and things like that to get a good sense. You think that maybe there's parts of three bodies here of people? Possibly two separate horses? Does it appear that this was these were killed, left in a pile, and I just mistook them as joined? Or they have been fused together by something other than the heat? They're not all necessarily joined, but some of them are. And it's, it's hard to tell because it's rotting. Does bone of one meet bone of another? As you begin to f- play around in the hideous gore with your knife, mm-hmm. you do find that the bones fit. Not in any normal, proper way. They look fused, but not in a way that looks natural. It's hard to explain because it's really outside of your mountain man experience. Yes. The only thing that lets you even handle this without freaking out is the fact that you have seen people blasted all over the place. I blasted a few myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's not shaking you, but it's it's definitely outside of your experience, and it's hard for you to kind of parse what this is. Am I confident that I'm alone in my immediate surroundings? Yeah, I mean, your team is back a ways a little bit, maybe 20, 30 feet back. Right, but. I don't I don't sense anything. I want to, uh, can I roll to sense? Yeah, make a listen. Listen. 27 against 40. You hear some noise from inside the cabin. I, uh, mosey back on over to my team. Okay. I said, all right, something inside. It's moving. Nothing out here is. What do you mean by nothing out here is moving? Uh, you know what? We'll deal with that later. I swear, if it is a horse thing, I'm going to be so mad at you. If you saw something up there, I feel like you should probably share it. Well, we I will come down to- with you with the heat of a thousand hobos. We have plenty of time for sharing after we get done with this cabin. Well, I do always say there's a time for sharing and there's a time for caring. And it doesn't seem like it's either one of those. I don't know who Karen is, but if she's a lovely woman, I'd make time for her all the time. Is there a back door to the cabin? You can't see it from here, but it does seem pretty likely based on the style of the place. We do have significantly more backdoor entry experience. I do, at least. I, I'm unconcerned with stealth at this point. I want to I make that clear. I think if we're going in there, we got to go in. I say we knock on the front door pleasantly. Sinclair, you're more than welcome to be the one to do that, and we'll all be standing by. Oswald Sinclair gives a, a regal bow, tips his hat, very um, courageously steps right up to the front door. Everybody else hanging back yeah. in the bushes? If there is a stoop, I would like to be under it, waiting. I'm going to hand the uh, shotgun to somebody, because let's say inside somebody answers the door, a shotgun is something that's immediately going to become a red flag. I'll just keep the shotgun in the duffel bag. And the crowbar? I'm going to put that down the, the back of my pants. Probably where the feces is right now. You mentioned wanting to be on the stoop, Moses. In this case, there's a wooden front porch. Really, I just want to be wherever I can be out of sight, but get a full shot at the front door over his shoulder if necessary. Go ahead and make a stealth just to see kind of how well you sneak up and hide in place. Whatever it is, I failed. Okay, good times. You kind of try to find yourself a position, but there's not really a lot of room beneath the stoop. But even so, you're up close watching over your good friend, the Hobo King. The rest of us are very carefully, very discreetly, moving around the side of the cabin. Oswald, you make your way up to the door and uh, give it a... Very confidently, may I add. Okay. Sounds ominous. So, yeah, you give it a good knock, and from inside the cabin, you hear uh, a voice. Hello out there. 
I'm sorry, I'm afraid I'm quite busy right now. Who's there, please? Can I roll for a charm? Sure enough. 23. Okay. Just a, a stranger looking to share some of my good fortune and good company, my friend. Are you a drifter, sir? And how. <laughs> <laughs> and how. Oh, well, delightful. I'll have you know I happen to be in need of some labor. I think we could strike quite an accord. Please just open the door, come right in. Oswald uh, looks behind him and gives a very obvious wink to the rest of the party. He turns the knob and opens the door. How will our Hobo King friend fare against the sinister forces that lay in wait? We'll find out in two weeks. Hopefully, things will turn out better for him than the last time one of our eccentric characters entered a mysterious cabin in the woods. Oswald Sinclair's future might be uncertain, but in better news, ours isn't. Yes, Series 3 of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has been recorded. The new adventure features voices you know well, including the return of Keeper Luke Stram and mainstay Cap Blackard, along with Brandon Gerson, who played Father Grandfather in Series 1, and Colin Peterson, who listeners of this program will know as the maestro behind the incredible sound design of each episode, and the roguish performer behind Barty Gleeman in our Sword and Sorcery series Dungeons and Doritos. The series also features fabulous newcomers, artist Manda Bruno and musician Chris LeBrain of Chris LeBrain's Campaign and the Universal Funk Orchestra. Together... They endure an adventure very different from our prior two series, but nonetheless terrifying. Now begins the hard part, post-production. Stay tuned to Nerdy Show on Twitter and the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program on Facebook for updates on this forthcoming descent into madness. Speaking of our social feeds, over the holidays we gathered by the fire to rekindle the tradition of terrifying tales at Yuletide. On our Facebook feed and Nerdy Show's YouTube feed, you'll find archived video of our live stream in which Cap Blackard reads H.P. Lovecraft's The Festival, the season may be behind us, but it's never too late to feel a chill in your bones. Now, whether you're indulging in the very program you're presently listening to, surprise video presentations, or the horror to come in Series 3, this humble show is entirely listener-supported. To ensure we're able to continue bringing you the Lovecraftian entertainment you crave, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. Not only will you help us fund our fine podcasts, but you'll get access to behind-the-scenes bonus features and early release episodes. For example, our other RPG audio drama, Ghostbusters Resurrection, will return later this year with a continuation of its blockbuster third season, Fear Itself. But long before the series officially returns, patrons will hear episodes as soon as they're off the assembly line. The long-awaited episode 8 is out now, exclusively at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. You can also support us via one-time donations at nerdyshow.com support. Just like Jameson Lalone, who sent us yet another contribution out of his immeasurably generous heart, this time specifically celebrating our commissioning of additional score for this program. If you're not able to financially contribute, we do certainly understand. But there is something you can do for us that doesn't cost a penny. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Gaining traction on those platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, would be a heck of a boon for this ragtag operation of ours. Even if you don't use the platform, we'd really appreciate you taking the time to make an account and review us there. And, if you haven't yet checked out Podchaser, it's a wonderful and unique platform for podcast discovery where we could surely use the ratings and reviews. 
for your listening pleasure this evening is a track by Ellen Reed called True Love. Sounds pleasant enough, but this analysis of intimacy and affection studies human mating habits under a darker-hued lens. You may know Ellen as a member of the band Crash Test Dummies, but this particular track is off her lone solo release, Cinderella, a brilliant record and a concept album of sorts, exploring relationships and female archetypes in dynamic and unconventional ways. The sexual politics of bedtime fables, the mad scientist, and the perspectives of the purportedly evil queen who asks, Who will mourn for me when I'm consumed by towering flames, damned eternally by a sleeping girl with a stupid name? The album is woefully out of print, but fortunately, we know where you can get a copy. Crash Test Dummies are on tour now, celebrating the 25th anniversary of their multi-platinum opus, God Shuffled His Feet. And you'll find copies of Cinderella at the merch booth. Come out to hear God Shuffled His Feet performed live in its entirety, plus other classics from the band, and come home with an impeccable collection of songs by Ellen Reed. What's more, I can say with some certainty that should you find yourself at the band's Orlando, Florida performance, you'll assuredly see cast members from this very program in attendance. This is True Love by Ellen Reed.
listening to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And be sure to subscribe to our series via your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Episode 6, Nightmares and Interludes, was written and performed by Luke Stram, Cap Blackard, Nikki Holland, John Sebastian Laval, Bohr, and Joshua LaForge, with additional vocal performances by Melody Pereira and James Barbarossa. The series is edited and produced by Colin Peterson and Cap Blackard, and the original score is composed and performed by Ryan McQuinn and Mike McQuinn of Neon Dolphin, home for all your custom music needs and more, neondolphinmusic.com. For full episode credits and links to where you can purchase this series' original score, as well as character sheets and other supplemental material, visit CthulhuMystery.com. The Call of Cthulhu Mystery program is proudly played using Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, available at fine role-playing retailers everywhere. This program and all programs on the Nerdy Show Network are made possible by the support of listeners like you. With special thanks to our Patreon producers, Isabiz, Allison Parent, David Van Pelt, Evan Baumel, Hoodoo Voodoo, Jamieson Lalone, Dr. Talos, Joshua Westfall, R. Scott Diedrich, Sean T. Red, and Zombie Pops. Join us at patreon.com slash nerdyshow or head to nerdyshow.com slash support for additional ways to contribute. All characters appearing are fictitious, and any resemblances to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This has been the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. Good night. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's a tale of learning and healing. We've got a whole province going to see one overworked witch in a candy cottage that's been chewed to pieces by the local kids. Of fairies and magic. You're touching the sapphire of assessment! I'm not touching it! I'm just putting my hand near it as I focus my brainial waveforms on it. Stop it! I'm not even touching it! Of struggle against the odds. This is my team. They may not live up to your vision of a perfect, efficient department. They don't live up to my vision of a stampede in a barnyard. Ooh, kingly. That's how you know it's working. And now, it returns at last. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, Season 2. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, from Fable and Folly. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or look us up at fableandfolly.com.